What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Grind Podcast. Today, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to have a conversation here with my good buddy, Nick Watson, drove down from Idaho Falls. We're going to talk about Kyrgyzstan. This has been a long time coming. 18 months ago, uh, we're going to tell you how this little trip came to fruition here and how an adventure of a lifetime resulted in an absolutely incredible hunt and memory. So before we get started, um, you know, we got a pair of Rimrock climbers here. Nick, what do you think of them things? They look pretty nice. So you, you always talk about how you're a gear junkie. Break that thing down. What do you like about it? Oh, man. Grab it. Put me on the spot. Put you on the spot here. What do you like? Okay. I like the cork handle is the biggest difference that I think I see in a lot of them. Lightweight, simple. So we'll see. I'm going to put these the tightening mechanism to the test. Yeah, because we, what we did is we got rid of the clamp, I guess you could say. So these are twist locks versus the clamp style. So I haven't really used too many of those, but I use hiking sticks a lot. I'll yeah. put them to the test. Yeah. Save your knees, save your body, save your back. This is one thing I wish we had in Kyrgyzstan, to be honest. Yep. I don't think I packed these just because I was trying to save. Did you have a pair? Nope. It's kind of hard to pack across the across the world when you're only have a few items that you have to choose from. Yeah. You know. But think about it. Like, for this type of hunt, we didn't pack. Yeah. It's gnarly, gnarly country. Yeah. Anyway. Also, base map. Take 20% off base map. Basemap.com forward slash mealyfreak. Save yourself 20%. Transfer all your waypoints, all your tracks. If you're using another mapping software, I'm telling you, base map is a game changer. 3D maps, live location sharing. There's a new feature called Hunt Wind. And, you know, Hunt Wind, you think about wind and, and those type of things in accordance with whitetail hunting, turkey hunting, but you don't realize how this setting a wind cone and some of your favorite draws that you mule deer hunt or elk hunt, that you set those wind cones and you can literally check the wind before you head up the draw or head up the mountain or head up to the canyon. Base map has a proprietary agreement with millions and millions of weather stations around the country that they get this pinpoint accurate weather data. I mean, Hunt Wind is an awesome feature for the Western hunter too. So check out basemap.com forward slash mealyfreak, save yourself 20%. And then also Goat Knives. Goat Knives is one of the newest, uh, most revolutionary knife companies out there. They specialize in ultra lightweight um, knives and multi-tool in one of the Capra Hunter TI. I'd like to say that this Ibex hunt that Nick and I went on was an inspiration for that Goat Knives logo because that, that Goat Knives logo is the best I've ever seen. It's sharp. Anyway, let's get into the, the adventure here. So let's talk about how this trip kind of came to fruition. Nick and I were talking on the way down here. Nick thought that um, we had like three months to prepare for this. I'm like, dude, we had six weeks tops. I knew Nick was the only crazy enough guy and, and friend of mine to, to go with me. It literally went like this. Hey, Nick, what are you doing? Oh, I'm doing this, playing with my goats, whatever. I'm like, do you, uh, what do you got going in October? Oh, you know, I got... I don't, geez, I don't, I got an elk hunt maybe, but you know, you want to go to Kyrgyzstan? It took Nick about five seconds to say yes. <laughs> you already knew I would say yes. I already, I already knew you'd say I yes. I tried to convince Eric a long time ago to do something out there, so yeah, he already figured he had me. Yeah, I, I knew I had Nick at Kyrgyzstan <laughs> and Ibex. I mean, so I literally just started doing a little bit of homework. I, I couldn't sleep. There's a few nights I couldn't sleep and I just started researching Ibex. And then I started talking to guys about Ibex. Then I started talking to guys that went with an outfitter, a specific outfitter. And I got all these references. I was talking to guys from Russia. I was talking to guys from Australia. And I was talking to guys from England and uh, Spain. And I'm like, man, this is, all these things are kind of checking out. I'm like, we might have something here, you know? And uh, so Nick's like, well, geez, what do you know about it? I'm like, oh, well, these guys said it was okay. He's like, well, how much is it? I'm like, oh, 7500 bucks, whatever it was. And 
that's what it is now. It wasn't as much then, but it's like, whoa, we got to wire this money over to, to them on this date to save this date. We're looking at this foreign this foreign bank statement. We're like, well, how come it's going to Kazakhstan and not Kyrgyzstan? I thought we were going to Kyrgyzstan. We're like, is this money actually going to make it there? And uh, yeah, it did. That was pretty wild. Talk about how putting faith in transferring a, a wire transfer over to a foreign country was a little bit nerve-wracking, huh? Oh, man, yeah. I... Yeah, I thought about it a million times. I'm like, I don't know if I'm comfortable with this. And it's a lot of money, 50% down, and you have no idea if it's getting there or if you pay the money and then you fly over to Bishkek and if somebody picks you up. It was pretty uncomfortable, and we didn't personally know the people that were part of the outfitting business because that would be a hard one to pull off. But Eric did his due diligence on talking to a few people. Which is not like me, right? I'm not, not much really. of a researcher planner, <laughs> but I did research this one. Well, I wouldn't have went if we didn't research it. But then I talked to a couple other people that, you know, plan hunts over there, and they had me pretty skeptical, you know, like, don't carry too much money on your persons. But, I mean, you have to carry money because that, how else would you pay the guides, the outfitter, and everything? It's not like you're swiping a credit card out in the middle of nowhere. So, yeah, they say, you know, the locals will try to pinch you for nickel and dime you for certain things and everything so i was i don't know yeah very short time to plan and then there wasn't a lot of positive things from people in the united states about the hunt right you, you know they were really everyone's really skeptical about going over to kyrgyzstan and hunting yeah so, the number one thing i kept hearing was aren't there terrorists there yeah yeah it's a stan yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's a stand, so it's it's scary, right? No, we it, it was skeptical because the outfitter had several people working for her. So she'd be like, well, talk to this person. I'm like, well, who's Renata? And then I'm like, well, who's Natalie? And I'm like, well, who, who's Roman? And we kept getting past all these different people. And we're like, okay, this is weird. You know, who's this person? What, what role do they play? And where's our money actually go to? And, you know, so it was... Uh, it was kind of nerve-wracking putting that together, but she actually connected me with another American that was headed headed out, and, you know, he was... That actually put me at ease, knowing that, hey, there's another guy headed over there. He's coming from, you know, wherever, Oklahoma or wherever it was. We'll meet up with him in uh, Bishkek or wherever it was. It, it wasn't that big a deal. So, yeah, it was... Uh, we didn't have a lot of time to prepare. Now, a lot of these guys that... I'm sending over there now. They're like two years to prepare for this type mm. of thing. Me and Nick literally had weeks <laughs> preparing for this. Uh, I think you didn't have a passport, did you? I you... had a passport, but I had to get it renewed. It just expired the month that you called me to go. So I had to expedite that. That's um, right. You had yeah. to expedite that. And we didn't even know with the expedition if it was going to make it. Yeah, because they were requiring that I had my passport. And there was a, a delay on payment and everything because I didn't even have a up-to-date passport so i had to expedite that and but that ended up working out pretty good so that was one of the issues but it, it worked out yeah that worked out and then i last second called our buddy chase christopher from boise was like hey can you come film and, and take photos of this hunt he's like well when i'm like uh, a few weeks and he's like sure and he's always up for adventure but he came and did a bang up job on the photography and, and filmed it and that that was that was pretty awesome. So we put together this group of three Americans that knew nothing about Kyrgyzstan and put together this trip and tried planning our routes. We planned the outfitter, researched the outfitter, planned our route there. So we flew from Salt. Nick drove down from Idaho Falls. We flew to Salt Lake City from Salt Lake City International Airport to Chicago, right? Yep. Chicago, we flew Turkish Airlines to Turkey. Yep. And where we had what? How, how, Istanbul. 
Yeah, Istanbul. Which, let's talk about that airport. That airport is insane. Yeah, that was like a mall-type air, airport mall. And the airplane, it was nice. Turkish Airlines, the airplane was crazy big. It was actually pretty comfortable. The mm. whole ride from Chicago to Turkey was posh for me. I mean, I slept the entire time. Yep. Sounds like you and uh, Chase didn't sleep that much. Mm, no, it was a little hot in there. but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's in fact, there's a video that you'll probably see in the film. And let me just preface this by saying, guys, it's going to be a three-part series on this film that's going to document the entire journey. And it's going to be absolutely epic. And in part of the film, I got Nick on video. I said, hey, how was the flight? You know, and I said, did you sleep? And he said, does it look like I slept? <laughs> He was kind of a little bit grumpy. Oh, man. I don't like traveling, that's for sure. But, it I mean, it was a wide airplane. Was it Chicago to when we almost missed the plane? When we were in Chicago. Yeah. Our layover. Yeah, I forgot about that. What did we do wrong? What did we think oh. the time was different or something? I, I don't know what we did wrong. <laughs> we were sitting there eating, weren't we? We read our tickets. So Nick and I are so <laughs> excited. We get to Chicago, and we're just starving, right? And we order these $20 hamburgers and, like, this nice little airport restaurant. And had bacon. Bacon and mushrooms on mine, and we sit down to eat. And Chase just went to the. And we met up. With, that's where we met Chase, right? We met up with Chase in Chicago. He flew out of Boise because he flew out of Boise. Yeah. So Chase knew that Nick and I hurry and grabbed a burger, and and he was gonna go wait at the uh, what do you call it, the portal, or whatever it is, the gate. Yep. So he went over and and was waiting at the gate. Well, he comes running over saying they were calling all our names over the intercom saying because the flight was leaving and they were looking for us. Me and Nick had just sat down to eat our hot hamburgers and fries. We literally left our meals. Uh, Did we even have time to pay? That's what took so long is we were trying to get somebody to pay and then Chase was holding up the airlines telling him like hey no you got to wait for these guys <laughs> he was like yeah trying to convince them to stop them from going yeah anyways but i don't even they literally almost left us it had to have been late because there was the airport was totally empty or something i don't i don't even know how we messed that up but well we literally almost got left <laughs> yep and didn't make the flight but but we made it we didn't get to eat our meals it just sat there and went to waste i think we had a couple <laughs> yeah. bites as we were trying to pay yeah so that was how we started off our so it started journey. out just a little bit stressful yeah but then like you said the the turkey the airport there was just insane yeah yeah i think what, what was the flight from chicago to istanbul i want to say 12 hours i would say 12 hours yep yeah roughly 12 hours and then from turkey to bishkek kyrgyzstan it was, was it like six six to eight, six to eight hours yeah six like to that. eight so we held up in in turkey uh we walked around the airport for a while there's a lot of good food um obviously it's more of like a shopping center for yeah all like kinds of chicks. fancy stuff yeah fancy stuff purses all that kind of stuff and then uh the layover was probably a few hours and then we got on the plane from turkey to bishkek and that was six hours which that seemed like nothing after we went 12 hours yeah and i think from salt lake all the way through bishkek we were 32 hours total in the airports yep, that sounds right and then um was it a 12 hour difference so it was 12 hours ahead of where you know yeah. where we came from mountain time over here so i mean it was 32 hours then plus 12 hours time difference and it was it's pretty rough but we were still pumped be there and make it through all that yeah then we're, that's we're, where the next hiccup but one thing i want to say is i didn't know before we talk about this next hiccup i didn't really like notice this time difference because i'd slept so much on flights and and not slept and i i didn't even know what day or time it was no, i honestly no didn't. yeah you were just yeah well and i mean it was like two and a half days later when it came down to it when you when you did the math it was i mean it's a crazy it's a crazy trip just flying there yeah it, it takes some time. Yeah, between the time change and everything. But yeah, I was still on a high, 
just trying to get there and get an animal on the ground. Yeah. So we'd kind of done a little research, Nick and I, that once you get to Bishkek, you should pay this $100 VIP service to get your bags, get your guns looked at. Because you can only bring so much ammo. You have to have your guns checked in by the Kyrgyz military. Then they usher you into a van and you literally skip all the lines. Right, it's supposed to be the like the best hundred bucks you ever spent. Yep. So Nick and I opted into that. Uh, we decided to do that. And while we're down in the VIP lounge, they had like free coffee and and, and water and that kind of stuff. And uh, the guy comes up to us and uh, what do he say? He started laughing, and I think he big smirk on his face and laughing and and said, I'm pretty sure he said my gear didn't show up, like my bag. But he had a smirk on his face, so I thought it was a joke. Um, but no, I knew he was serious. Yeah, but he just looked, yeah. Anyways, and I thought he was joking. And then, then he had us, what did he, he took us up to, uh, I don't know if it was his manager or whatever. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so we, so he took us up there, and I'm like. He's getting our names and ideas Yeah, then and I'm stuff. like, okay, this seems a little more serious. I don't know, like, what the heck is going on? And. Um, at this point, we only think my bag is missing, but Turns I, out. I kind of, I read a lot of information and mo- and a lot of people said, basically try to pack everything on your carry on bag that you need for hunting. Try to get everything you can on there because there's a good chance your gear doesn't show up. Yeah. And even gear, gun. So both Eric and I had carry ons, um, and then we checked two bags, a gear bag and then our gun. But at this point... Basically, they said, my gear didn't show up. So we go up to the office, and I can't remember quite the conversation, but it ended with both Eric and I, our bags bags didn't show up. Our gear bags didn't show up. Yeah, so here's the problem. Nick did his research, and I knew that I needed to pack, like, my hunting gear in my carry-on. But I couldn't do it because I was packing a lot of the film equipment. My bag was already just huge, and there was no extra space for me. So I didn't pack my gear in my carry-on, and that was a fatal mistake because Nick did. So we get to Kyrgyzstan. We both have missing bags, but the difference between Nick and I was Nick had enough gear to hunt. I didn't have enough gear to hunt. And so that kind of screwed us over a little bit. Well, luckily, my bag, and I think yours too, were just in Chicago. Yeah, they said both bags were in Chicago. So So it wasn't like they were lost, which that can happen too. Yeah, they found out. They knew exactly where they were and basically said, well, it'll be a day or two before it gets to you guys. So I guess the question at that point was... uh, I mean, we leaned, and I'm super stressed out. Oh, I never seen this, Nick so stressed. He was point, nervous as a wet hand. Oh, I'm just trying to get up in the up in the hills and start hunting, and then uh, so we were pushing to go get gear at a local uh, hiking shop. Yeah. So basically, buy some warm clothes. I, I think it, you needed some long johns and a down coat or something. And think no, I, I think I needed a bunch of need, layers. Like yeah. Shell. Did you have a sleeping bag, or did you? I can't even remember. If no, you I don't. I don't think I had a sleeping bag. Yeah. Anyways, no, I did not have a sleeping bag. So that's why I was like, well, then we had this idea that well, we take me, Chases, and Nicks, and split all our gear up. And I'm like, dude, that still's not going to give me enough gear. I'm like, I'm not coming all the way across the world not to have the gear I am. I'm already uncomfortable, right? I'm in a foreign country, foreign mountains. 
hunting a foreign species. I'm like, guys, let's just, we got plenty of time here. And that's what Renata, she's, she's just trying to make everyone happy. And she, she spoke pretty good English. She, so Renata and Ramon, their husband and wife, uh, they met us there at the airport. And she, Ramon didn't really speak English. She spoke pretty good English. Uh, she was there just kind of uh, helping us and helping us work through this. And she basically said, I would just wait. You got time. Well, let's b- back. So Renata, it was what? She's basically the kind of the translator, did all. Chauffeur. The- yeah, and did all the paperwork. She helped with hotels and scheduling everything. Her husband basically drove and was kind of helping out with that, and he was also the taxidermist, right? Right. So, yeah, so they kind of ran the show for Natalia, right? Right. Uh, like, they did all the logistics and everything, so that was really nice. I mean, we didn't have to do much besides, I guess, get our gear and hunt. Right, yeah, no, they were great. But she was there just kind of as a buffer for us to kind of get us to relax. Nick was pretty spot up about and stressed about getting to the mountains and I was stressed about not having the gear and I'm not going to the mountains without my gear especially in a foreign country in a foreign land and so we kind of just made the decision Nick was gonna head up alone I'm like well I don't want to make these people take two trips I finally talked Nick and being like hey let's let's just wait the gear will get here tomorrow and we got the gear came everything was good yeah but that was another I had no idea I thought we were gonna wait around Bishkek think because so Bishkek was the airport and so we thought i kind of thought we would hang around there not thinking too much of it well then we start driving decide to go to the next kind of staging point before we go to base camp which was caracal yeah but it was six hours away yeah and i and then the airport basically said they were going to pay to get the gear to caracal so someone has to drive 12 hours to get us our gear and i didn't really know the logistics of it until we got to caracal and and i didn't think about it but then the next day they said the gear came in and then they said the airport was no longer gonna pay to transport our gear to Caracol. so now now someone has to drive 12 hours to get our gear yeah uh, round trip get our gear to us and you know in the united states you're like someone has to drive 12 hours and there's two big bags um you know probably 40 50 pounds a piece i'm thinking i'm thinking this is gonna be 500 yeah i'm thinking oh my goodness what did it at least five six hundred bucks? Yeah, I'm like I was freaking out. I'm like, I don't pay? have any. I don't have the money to pay him that, you know. And then I told Eric to ask for not how much it was going to cost, and she came back and it was like it was like forty bucks or something, <laughs> and we were laughing. So me, we just had to cough up twenty bucks. I'm like, there's no way that's even covering the even remotely the fuel the cost for somebody. Oh yeah, it was it was crazy how the cost of doing things over there because i don't have the money to pay somebody to to do that and it ended up being like we forked up Super like 20 cheap. yeah so that was another another deal i was i was pretty worried about that but then yeah they it was the second day second evening where we were there i think um in caracal that we got our gear so we were only day and a half behind yeah and then, yeah, and then once when, once we got our gear and we heard it was coming, we got ready and we decided to head off to base camp, right? Yeah. That, yeah. We, we, we drove uh, late that night to get into base camp. Yeah. So kind of circling back. So Bishkek to Caracal. Caracal, we wait for our bags to show up. We stay in this little guest house. Super cheap. I think between all of us, it was like 10, 12 bucks a night. Our food was paid for, at least the breakfast. The food was amazing. Yep. Like this eight-course meal, if you will, for breakfast. Stayed in nice beds, nice showers, all these nice things for super cheap while we waited for our, our bags to get there, all while just relaxing, waiting to get to the mountains. Caracol's on the fringe of, of the mountain range, and, and from Caracol to the mountain range, we'll call it base camp, 
I think it was only like it wasn't as bad. It was like maybe three, four, five hours in that. Yeah, I think it was yeah four or five. Yeah. Yep. So then the next morning we get up, we get our bags, we go into town, kind of walked around town a little bit, ate at a restaurant, kind of got to experience some culture, and everyone was super nice. We didn't even feel like we were getting a lot of stares. I mean, people, they probably think, only see a couple Americans a year. I think they thought we were military. Yeah, they probably We did. were all, I mean, we, we Well, you fit them. right in. You look just like one of them. <laughs> With the mohawk? Yeah. <laughs> Eric's mohawk that he gave me. But, yeah, we, I mean, we had super minimal gear. So, I mean, our going out to town gear was hunting clothes. So, I think people thought we were military from the United States. Anyways, I don't, I don't think they were bugging us. Yeah, no. So they, everyone treated us pretty good. So fast forward, we get up to base camp. I mean, it's pretty good road, pretty good drive. We had to pass a military checkpoint, though. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, out in the middle of the night. It was pitch black. Middle of nowhere. And you had to check your rifles again where the Kurdish military. And, I mean, they were counting ammo and everything. So we had paperwork, and they had to make sure all of our ammo transferred through. Basically, they were counting that and everything, so they were pretty strict. But, I mean, yeah, out in the middle of nowhere where you would never think there would be, you know, a checkpoint. But right. they seemed pretty strict about it. Yeah, they're pretty strict, but, I mean, got through there and then eventually made it to base camp, which base camp was beautiful, oh, yeah. in my opinion. Yep. It was essentially two containers. Yep, two. With, with a, like, shipping containers, right? Shipping containers, yeah. And with the, a framed-in middle section. Yep. With the shipping containers on the outside. Underneath this gorgeous rock mountain yeah, in like the middle rock of rock point yeah rock point in the middle of this amazing valley and it was it was almost like pinch me how gorgeous it was yep it was pretty cool sheep everywhere and everything yeah domestic farm sheep. And yeah. sheep and this river drainage that runs through the, the bottom of this little valley it was it was a, it was absolutely breathtaking and if you haven't seen some of the photos that chase took of that valley it's uh they're gorgeous I think we got settled in that night, woke up the next morning. Did we wake up the next morning and shoot rifles? Yeah, we woke up the next morning, and they said the guides will be there to... So basically, they wanted... It was kind of a test. They wanted the guides to show up, verify our guns and everything, and they ended up showing up a little bit later, and we shot before they got there, and we zero made sure our zeros were set and everything. Which I had to, ch- I had to re-zero yep. mine. Yep. You were you were good. Yep. And that, so I that's when I started stressing. Yep. When that zero's off because you can only pack so much ammo. And then the game warden was teaches how to shoot. Yeah, the game. What, what was his name? Bucket. Bucket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so the game warden was just hanging out at base camp until all the people shot animals. So he was gonna be there for I don't know as long as we were oh, there. To, he just we, sat and drank all her alcohol. <laughs> Pretty funny guy. Yeah, pretty nice guy. Apparently a, a Marco Polo guide, too. Oh, oh, he was. He, yeah, he was talking about... Anyways, he was teaching us how to shoot. Pretty he, funny guy. He was also teaching us the how to say uh, Ibex and Big and Kyrgyz and Russian. Yep. He's a, he was a character for sure. So we, we shoot our rifles. Um, I was kind of a little bit stressed out. Eventually, we, we got her zeroed in, and, you know, you want to make sure all your equipment's working. And then we had to condense our gear. Yep. So then Natalie's like, hey, you guys got to – these are small horses. You guys are going to be – we're like, where are we going? Oh, you guys are going to get in the car another two hours again, and then they'll meet you with horses at the head of the canyon. So then we had to condense all our gear and all our must-have equipment for three or four days 
So we had to take out all of our things out of a bag and then condense it into a backpacking trip to spike out. Yep, and they and they basically said, well, they have they have everything. They're the stoves, the tent, and everything. they basically say you need you know your clothes and just the the gear you think you need. So I mean, but I'm like I overpacked for everything, and I, you know, so I packed a, a little stove, and we were required to have a sleeping bag and pads, so we had that. And then warm gear, because so this was the end of Oct- mid to end of October, so they expected it, it could get really cold, and it, and it and, was, yeah, and you, and you could see a big snowstorm, and I you know I packed quite a bit of clothes. What else did we have to? Did we need? I mean, we packed some film equipment and stuff like that. But yeah, we didn't need food. I brought food just in case, because you oh, we really didn't know what to expect out there. So I packed. I mean, pretty easy, simple enough to pack dehydrated meals. So I, I packed dehydrated meals and some snacks just in case there was enough or I didn't like the food. But that, when we were we put gear together and then shot, and then we were kind of waiting around for the guides, and that's when I started feeling not very good. And I, I, I will say my stomach started feeling weird too. Yeah, and I'm sitting there, and I'm not... You like, just knew I, something I, was wrong. Yeah, I'm like, I don't... So I started kind of drinking quite a bit of water and it's not i don't know base camp was base camp 8500 i don't even know if it was 9000 feet it was somewhere in there yeah eight to nine thousand feet so and you know a lot i think a lot of people you read get elevation sickness there but i i mean i hunt eight to ten thousand feet a lot and this was october so i mean i backpack all summer i, I don't think it was elevation sickness i've had elevation sickness in colorado i believe at thirteen thousand feet just because I pushed it too hard, but I don't think this was that. I mean, I think it had to do with a stomach bug, you know, eating something. Foreign food. Yeah, just foreign food, and you read about it, and that's what everyone says is, yeah, they have some type of issue. And that's when I said, I didn't think anything of it. I just thought I, you know, just a little jet lag at yeah. that point. But I always started not feeling very good. And then the guides showed up, loaded up gear. We We all shoved into a little little car and then yeah. we you know and, and they, these are all gravel like gravel roads not you know not perfect but yeah that ride yeah. so that <laughs> yeah. yeah it was pretty rough so let me say this the guides though like in comparison to the outfitter and the translator the the guides are like straight kurdish they're not yep. russian they're not Kazakhstanish, ish or however you say that yeah they're kurgi they're kurgi they're kur they're kurgi villagers yep so they literally didn't speak a lick of English. So we just hear everyone chattering in Russian and Kyrgyz, and we're like, and I'm just like trying to ask, trying, what do they? What do we need to do? What, what, you know, what are we doing right now? Oh, get your stuff ready. Yeah. Like, okay, is it get your stuff ready and we're going right now, or is it like get your stuff ready? Yeah, get your stuff ready and we're going. Mm-hmm. Then you kind of get stressful a little bit because you hear all this chatter and it's chatter, 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 and stressful chatter, and it's like, well, oh, I, <laughs> then you're not feeling good. Then you're like, then your stomach gets turning a little bit, and my stomach was turning too. I wasn't quite sick like nick but i knew like I'm not trying to be gross here but like i knew like i couldn't trust a fart <laughs> like i was feeling like that like yeah. i wasn't sick but i was like just feeling just a little bit funny in my bowels mm. you know and i'm like huh, you know i'm okay I didn't, I didn't feel sick nick started feeling sick i wasn't feeling sick but my i knew my stomach yeah. was just something weird was going on i didn't know what end it was going to come out for me <laughs> yeah you were pretty sick <laughs> i think i turned pretty white face there it was during the the ride the car ride but yes so at this point right natalia and renata were the only two that could translate or talk to us virtually 
Right. And there was how many people? There was Ramon, Renata's husband, the game warden, and was there only it was a, it was one kind of like ranch hand basically a base camp hand that kept everything set up. So so there was four people from the outfitting service basically. And then uh, the, the four Americans, yeah, eight people at camp. But there's only basically two people that can translate for us. And then at this point, once we started loading up gear, that was the end of that. No more translation. It was hand signals and writing uh, numbers on your hand. And that's where it got interesting. But I really enjoyed that. Yeah. So I talked to a lot of people about the type of hunting. And so there's another gentleman there. Can't quite remember where he's from. I want to say Oklahoma. Anyway, Nick and I got in the car another two hours to to hit our staging area for our hunt. To, to, to get to the horses. Yeah, to saddle up, get our gear on horses. Whatever. He just went behind the – rode up a couple hours up the yep. – just behind base camp. Yep, the other guy the other guy that was hunting. Yeah. So there's three hunters. Yeah, so, so in my opinion, there was three levels of difficulty in each of one of these areas. Behind base camp was on the easier end. Yep. Nick actually rode past me on the horse another couple hours, but he hunted from the bottom. He didn't have a lot of physical activity prior to going and making a stock to kill an animal. Yep. Mine was the highest level of difficulty. I'm not, we're not trying to show size of our, you know, here and, and compare, but... We'll talk about the horns later. Yeah, 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 exactly. We'll talk about the length of the horns later. But no, I, I was I was hiking up to 12,000 feet and climbing those mountains every day. Yeah. Mine was extremely, extremely difficult. In fact, when we, so we, let, let's, let's go back to where we drove two hours in the buggies, got out, saddled up, and got our horses ready, got to know our horses, met some of the other guys, because some of the other guys met us with the horses once we left base camp. And we ride in for like six, seven hours-ish. And we're riding in. We pass, and we're riding in the daylight, right? We pass some super sketchy spots. Yeah. Like drop-offs, waterfowls, rivers. River canyon. River canyons. Horse slips, you're dead. Like there were points on the horse ride in where I was taking my downside leg and flipping it up and over the saddle horn just so I could bail. In the event my horse slipped and went down, like it, there was some butt pucker moments. Yep. And we were still together for the first, I don't know, six or seven, six or seven miles, maybe. I don't know. I wasn't yeah. really. But we rode. Um, so each each hunter had two guides. So my my guys are it was uh, Guan and Tale, and then your two guides were Ishan and I already forgot homie's name. He's gonna be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote, he wrote me on uh, Facebook the other day. He's like, ah oh, man, can't wait to see you again. <laughs> Thank goodness for Facebook Translate. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we had two guides per one hunter, and then we were splitting off. But Our we, guys were brothers, too. Yep. Guan was brothers with the, yeah, other, the, guy, yeah. the, the guy that you can't I feel remember. like you know his name. I should, but... They I rhyme. <laughs> Juan? Yeah. Juan yeah, and Guan? Yeah, Juan no. and Guan. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, yeah, so we hunted up the same canyon. Um, we actually had base camps in the same, it, but it was it was a huge, huge canyon. I mean, these things are monstrous, monstrous. And, and then um, we rode up X amount of ways, and at this point, I I'm puking my guts out. I when yeah, you, we <laughs> you puked before we even mounted the horses. Yeah, I filmed we, it. Wait till yeah, you see the video, guys. We we got out of the car, and I was kind of like trying to act cool because I, I didn't want to be. You know the American weenie, you know, because <laughs> you, we just meet our guides, 
and to think that I'm I'm like gonna step out of the car and start puking my guts out, and then well, I did it anyways. <laughs> I was trying to act tough, but that car ride, just the bumps and everything, got me going, and and uh, yeah, I I did, but I drank a bunch of water, and I just. Yeah, let it all go. You you were in the video. You're literally cleaning and vomiting oh, off your man. pants. Oh man, it was with paper towels. He was, was like, he was, was like wiping his pants down because he puked a, all over his pants. It was a mess. But then I'm like, oh man, I feel great. That's it. I'm yeah, that's the weird part. Then yeah. you started feeling good. Well, and I felt, I'm like, I'm over it. So then I'm then I eat. I'm like, I gotta recover from this. So I guzzle a bunch of water and eat a bunch more food and then we get on the horses and go and uh then we started climbing elevation yeah and we just got up there and it was after i mean i was still pretty good up to when we split off um uh-huh. and we were seeing marco polo and yeah, Ibex, that was awesome but then we kind of my guides passed them uh and it sounded like i was we were going up canyon from where they were going so we took off but man, I was uh, yeah, just leaning over the side of the horse, just puking. Yeah. And we we it got pretty. We started right. Did you guys ride in the dark that night? How much uh, did you ride? No. Oh man, we lost the trail and we were a side hill and we got off the trail and it was sketchy and I'm puking and everything and I'm like, I just started giving them signals that we yeah, need to stop. Done. I mean, I can't like and we were side hill and some sketchy stuff. In the dark, I can't see. No headlamps. Yeah, and at this point, he's leading my horse because he was mad. I didn't know how to get these horses to go. I mean, usually, you know, our horses here, you kick in the guts and get them going. And I, and I couldn't. You didn't have enough strength to kick them. Well, in the guts, did you? Uh, yeah, I was fine. I could do that, but it was more that uh, that wasn't getting them to go. I couldn't. And they, they, I think they used kind of more noise. They were whistling and stuff like that. And I think that's how they were talking to the animals to get going. But I can't. So he was leading, and then we were. He was dragging my horse and me up all kinds of stuff. I'm like, we got to get to camp. Yeah. So I'd I'd puked quite a few times at that point. And then, yeah, we set up. But it got cold. Once that oh, sun man. went down, I was like... We started riding some of my gear was packed away. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this is miserable cold. Yeah, I don't... Wh- like, eat through your layers cold. Yeah, I... I what do you think? Single digits? I don't know if it was At negative, least. but it was single. I'd assume it was single digits once the... Once the sun went down, oh, um, not a lot of miserable. snow at this point. You could see snow up high, but yeah, we hadn't made it to the snow really. So let me let's talk about gear a little bit. So when Nick and I split off there on the horses, there was already a, a little no. Was the tent set up? No, the tents weren't set up yet. But all she requires on her gear list is a sleeping bag and a sleeping pad. They have tents for you. But here's a pro tip for you: bring your own tent. We had a giant hole in yeah. the top of ours. And thank the heavens it didn't rain or yep. snow because our gear would have been soaked. I don't know how good your tent was. When I woke up in the morning, I, I couldn't tell how it was at first, but when I woke up in the morning and it was light out, I could see light through. I, I had holes, but not big holes. And think, you know, at that point, you're kind of happy that it's uh, it, it was cold. I wasn't too worried about it. If, you, if it's co- that cold, I wasn't worried about dripping through the tent. And it, before it slid off, right? I mean, yeah. it was cold enough where it wasn't going to melt, um, I don't think. But yes, if it if it warmed up and uh, dumped a bunch of snow and was was uh, warm enough to get wet, you the tents weren't. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I brought it. I just didn't pack it up. Yeah, the mountain. And I had a tent too, but I didn't pack it either. 
but I, I would going forward. I'd absolutely have my own tent set up. Yeah. So anyway, we we hadn't eaten any. At this point, we had some sketchy sleep going on. We hadn't slept a lot. We weren't feeling the best. Nick was obviously really sick. I just had some weird stomach issue. So you know, we set up the camp. I roll out. I had a nice Nemo pad, zero degree bag, and I was warm for the most part. But here's why my first night was a disaster. I lit so we we got in. It had to been midnight, and so you were probably one or two a.m. Did you hunt that next morning? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but we so we kind of slept, slept in. in. Took it. Took it took, easy. We took it pretty easy. Yeah. So we're up the next morning at like four thirty, and so we're riding in on the horses right after we split up. And he said, "We're going tomorrow. Walk." Mm-hmm. And he pointed to the canyon. I'll never forget that. He says, "Tomorrow, walk." <laughs> That's about the only thing he could say. He, you know, he knew half a dozen words, I guess, or a dozen words. But he pointed up to that canyon. I'm like, there's no way a man can get up that canyon. It was like this slot canyon that was straight up. Yeah, and it's super, that area was super brushy, nasty, oh, too. I was brushy and steep. I'm like, how? So then I was a little bit nervous about that. I'm like, oh, man. Well, anyway, so I'm like, well, let's just get a good night's sleep. I was up every hour pooping out a foreign substance I'd never seen before. Like, holy ghost fire burn. Out of my bum bum. Every hour. Then I go back to the tent. I have to go out again. I couldn't. I couldn't fart. My stomach hurt, and I was pooping, 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 pooping all night long. I was so freaking sick. And then I was stressed because I hadn't slept, been pooping my guts out, and I got to climb up that canyon tomorrow and try to kill an ibex. I'm like, how is this gonna happen? And Chase, you know, Chase is fine. And so I got to the point. The minute this is how I felt, the stomach bug. So for all you doctors listening. If I ate food of any kind, I felt like I instantly had to poop. Yeah, that's how I was except the other end. If I put anything in my mouth, at that point, I could eat that when we started riding in. But that that night, yeah, they cooked me, I mean, top ramen, basically, kurgi ramen, just the broth. I put in my mouth just to sip it, and I instantly blew out of the tent, just puking. It was like I couldn't, I couldn't put anything in my mouth. I mean, even water. If I drank water, if I if I swallowed water, it was instantly coming up. It was bad because you're just trying to stay healthy, right? But you know you're going to need all the nutrients. Possible yeah, yeah. And I couldn't even. I'm like, oh, well, no more food. I'm just trying to get water down just to keep me hydrated, and I couldn't do that. Yeah, that's scary. You know, at this point, I knew I was hiking some steep stuff. I'm like, I don't have any energy now. I've been up pooping all night. I haven't slept. I felt like I still had to poop. So I just, I just like, I wasn't eating. So I'm like, this can't be good. I can't be putting this kind of physical activity on my body and then be hiking these hills and expect to be okay and not eat, not fuel my body. So that was sketch. So that next morning, so Nick and I are split up at this point, right? Nick's definitely not feeling good. I've got some weird stomach bug going on and, and some uh, very frequent bowel movements going on and, and Chase is fine. But so we hike up this canyon, we, we get up there and we spot some billies across the way. And it is cold. We're talking brutal cold. And I'll just say that these guys are climbing these hills, and we're talking steep country in, like, these little rubber muck boots. Yep. Like, these guys are tough. And little knapsacks for backpacks. Yep. And they, uh, my guys, when they're – because it was super cold, they were wrapping their feet in it. They were either shirts or horse pads. Like, the blankets that they put down, they were, like, wrapping their feet in the mornings to keep warm. I don't know if you guys did that. Uh-huh. I mean, we weren't super active. 
Um, truthfully, we were just trying to stay warm in glass. But yeah, the, it was pretty crazy to see what they. I mean, and you know, no souls basically, no rigid souls. And this country is steep. It's steep in all rock. Which you think of that terrain is frozen. You need a really hard soul to dig any, get any traction. But these guys could make it happen in whatever they had on. Yeah, in in army surplus jackets yeah. too, like those super thin army surplus jackets. Mm-hmm. But they like, weren't. My guys weren't warm necessarily. They, you could tell. I no. mean, they they were miserable. Yeah, yeah. You could tell they, they like w- my guys would have to start up the tent. So I slept in the same tent as my guides. Sounds like you were separate, but separate they would wake up all night, probably on average two times a night to start the stove to warm up the tent. Because they it was that cold. They couldn't keep warm. You could hear them over there, like, like trying to warm up. You know, rub their hands and everything. And they were, yeah, they were freezing. How good was their bags and pads? Their their pads were their pads were the horse pads. They slept on their horse. pads? They, they slept on their horse pads, and then they had. Like the old school, like army rucks or whatever, they're they're sleeping bags. And oh, these you, guys are tough. I mean, yeah, they're but, super tough. Oh, they were miserable. But and they, cold. yeah, you could tell they were cold. And they, I mean, but you know, and I'm sitting there in my zero degree bag, just sweating, and <laughs> I felt bad. But I mean, but these, you know what, you you want to help them too. But it sounds like they, that's that's what they prefer. Yeah. I mean, they don't want fancy stuff. That's what they. That's what they use. They don't want it any different. No, so. they, they they like to rough it. And you know what? They don't have accessibility to nice gear. I mean, they live in the villages. Yep. So they're even further away from civilization than uh, like Renata and Natalia and those guys. So we get up to the top of the mountain, and I quickly learned that they use all your gear. <laughs> like your binos, your spotter. He had one pair of old school binoculars that, like, you saw in like the cartoons, the mm-hmm. giant ones. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they constantly were borrowing all your stuff. Yep. Which, uh, but they uh, have really good eyes. Did you guys have? Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they like bear, you know, without any optics, they were spotting. I mean, they were kicking my butt. I mean, they could spot them really good. But yeah, they had they had good eyesight and they knew what to look for for sure. But yeah. I had the I had the same instance where. Once they saw my spot and scope and my phone scope and everything and looking through that, they were just amazed. They were, they were all excited about that. Yeah, they thought that was pretty cool. So we, we, find, a, we find a band of Billies, and we get over there, and the Billies go up over the ridge. Uh, we lost this group. We sat on them a little while and climbed and climbed and climbed some more. But what I noticed one thing as we were climbing was the excessive amount of Deadheads everywhere. Oh, my word, there's a lot of deadheads. And we cut snow leopard tracks almost every other draw, I would say. Whether it was the same leopard or not, I have a hard time believing them. But, I mean, we covered a lot of country, and we saw snow leopard tracks in every single draw. Was it like that for you? I didn't see. I found uh, We saw deadheads, but uh, I didn't. It was everything. You know, we were down in the bottoms, like down in the in the river bottom and it was all rock and there wasn't a lot of spots that you could actually see tracks. There's no snow. Where oh, we, were, we were down low, but which we'll talk about, but we did, we ended up seeing a wolf. So I'm pretty sure. Did you see, there's a set of bear tracks. Yeah. There was a set of brown bear tracks yep. on the way in when we were still together in that, back in that country that you guys were camped in. Yeah. And I was, I was, I was trying to, I was asking about 
bears and they were kind of saying that i think they were down in the timber kind of where you were at yeah because of the country i was in it was completely wide open if there was a bear there you could see it right Right. so there was brown i don't know what the population was like but yeah there's definitely predators that made me a little nervous getting up and pooping all night (laughs) not knowing what was out there i mean the other word he knew was grizzly oh and he'd go grizzly tent and (laughs) act like a grizzly was pulling me out of the tent (laughs) And it, it's not like you can be like, because of the language barrier, it's not like, so is there a lot of grizzly here? Do yeah. they ever bug you? Have you ever actually seen one at camp? You know, you can't ask any of those questions. So it's just left, your mind's just left wandering a little bit. Yeah. I wasn't worried about it. We were out in the open, but. You didn't know, like, if these, at least where I was at, you knew the ones that were snow leopard kills because they'd all be assembled in the same draw. Like, there was a ton of deadheads in one little spot, yeah. which is indicative of cat, right? Yeah, and I would say as far as ability to kill those type of animals, bears and wolves weren't they weren't gonna catch them in the rocks. No, no. Uh, a cat, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I'm assuming just ability to get ibex and the way the ibex live, cats are gonna be the most likely to make kills. I would assume, right? Like that, you know, because the I mean, this you literally this country is. Little canyons that is hikeable and stuff, but it's more than fifty percent of the country is not even hikeable. Not even not, hikeable. You can't even. You can't even think. Not of, even huntable. Yeah, I'm looking at this train. I'm like, so you just wait, and the feed's not in the area that that you can't walk in. The feed is down in the bottom. So, and in the canyons where there's grass, so where there's not rock, so the, these animals have to come, I mean, they they seek safety in the rocks, which is, I wouldn't be surprised if it's 60% of the country. So they, they have safety in 60% of the country that pretty much no other animal is probably going to be able to get to besides the snow leopard, probably. Right. Literally, and, and not us. I mean, we could shoot them from down lower, but... But um, so they're seeking safety in all this rocky, steep, gnarly country, and then they're coming to feed in in the grassy hillsides and stuff like that. Right. So, so yeah, their, their safety, their safety escape is the rocks. That's yeah, and there's through. a lot of it. Yeah. So I mean, they have, and it's open country and it's big country. So getting a shot, it wasn't easy. To put it to yeah. put it lightly, I mean, it looked like it's not a big deal, but you have no cover. They can get into rocks where you can't yeah. even get into. Once in you five get up seconds. top, there's a lot of big basins that are wide open. Yep, just like these big grassy steep hillsides. Mm-hmm. And you know what's interesting about my area is my area was protected by probably two thousand feet of vertical cliff. Yeah, that kind of like bordered. I didn't. You couldn't even tell from where where we split off that you could even get into that country. No. it looked like just a rock face, and, and then a shallow little yeah. canyon to get up into a little and, bowl. And that's basin. why I had so much anxiety about going up there the next morning. I'm like, we're gonna be. This is sheer cliff. This mm-hmm. is this is straight up, up and down. You know. But luckily, once you get past that two thousand feet of vertical, straight cliff, that's when you get into some of those open basins. So what those ibex do is they come. They bed in the cliffs, and then in the middle of the night, they come out, and in the morning, they're feeding in that grassy stuff, and then they're making their way back to the rocks where they can bed up so they can see and be protected. And I will say this, too. Let's talk about the animal themselves and, and hunting them. There's always, like, some sen- sentinels bedded just looking mm-hmm. over the area, looking for predators. And so they and they have really good eyesight, I found. And they're, for the most part, they were pretty much everywhere. I mean, like... A lot of ibex. Yeah, there was... A, I mean, it sounded like... It, 
and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounded like Eric saw like a lot of smaller groups and just spread out. Like the, once I got into the area where I was at, we look up the canyon and there's a group of at least a hundred ibex. It was hard. I mean, there's so many eyes and it's so open and there was like there was no approach basically. Right. I yeah. Mean, there's nothing you could do but look at them. Yeah. Oh yeah. From a mile away. I mean, there was no there was no way to get to him. But I mean, I'm not. I wasn't too worried about wind because of how the canyon was set up. But I, I did. You see any like huge groups or were yeah, you just... a few huge groups? In fact, when we so we eventually went up to the top of where the vertical cliffs start, mm-hmm. and it starts to get into a little bit of grass, and then it starts to get to the really nasty rocky stuff that feeds into that main drainage mm-hmm. that has that the the sheer vertical. Anyway, we found a band to our north, kind of where you know if, if you split off to the right the left there was some really rocky stuff and we found like a big group like a big bachelor group with some tanks in it like absolute studs in there and it was it was really snowy and slick and and for those that don't know like nick mentioned how there's a lot of snow up top well i was up top nick hunted from down low i was hunting from the tops so i was starting to get up into the snow so it was cold but there's that green grass that's you know four to eight inches so it's kind of long and when that snow gets on that grass it is slick and we ran around this one top where it was like pretty it was steep but it was just grass with snow on it and it was 200 feet and then it was that 2,000 foot drop off and there was like I went super slow because there wasn't a lot of good footing I thought with this heavy pack I had on if I got to slipping I couldn't stop myself and I'd go right off that cliff like it, it was kind of spooky. So then you got all this anxiety that's kind of flaring up in your body. And so you're just uneasy. You're in a new country. You realize just how all the ways you could die and things that could go wrong. And you're like, man, this is pretty sketchy. So, and if you, something happens to you in Kyrgyzstan, uh, the likelihood that you're going to get good care is we were pretty freaked out about that. Yeah. If yeah. we had to go to a hospital or something, we were. I think uh, you were starting to think like I need to go to a hospital. Uh, yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm at this point. I'm, yeah, I'm worried because I can't drink water. Yeah, and I can't eat. I can't eat. I'm not as physically ill as Nick, but I literally probably pooped ten times that night, and it it was it was exhausting. So back to where we kind of split up. I, I found a that band of bachelor billies, and there was a couple tanks in there, and I I let the guys know like, hey, I can shoot six, seven, eight hundred, nine nine hundred yards, no problem. So we set up, and I think it was like nine fifty or something. And there's this giant Ibex over there. And I was kind of, I'm going to make up an excuse myself. I wasn't 100%. The gun was brand new and the barrel wasn't broken. So I, I wasn't 100% confident on my velocity and my speed. And I was nervous and I had anxiety and I didn't feel well. So anyway, the guides are like, shoot him. And I'm looking, I'm looking at this country, right, with Chase. And I'm sitting here having this conversation with Chase. I'm like, Chase, if I kill that Billy over there, there's no way he's recoverable. It is not physically possible for a human being to get over there. No, it's okay. Walk. We'll walk. It's okay. Walk. And then they kind of signaled their two fingers walking and then pointed in the direction of how they would get to this billy. I'm like, I am not going there. And Chase, Chase is an adventurous sucker. Yeah. Like, he's, he's, not, he's fearless. He's like, I'm not going over there. And it, it already had that snow and that grass, so I knew it was going to be sl- slippery. And then it had all those cliffs. I'm like, I am not going over there. I'm like, if I kill this billy, I'm not even going to get a trophy photo because they'll have him cut up and they'll – Climb up there yeah. and get it. And yeah, climb up and bring it up. So and I'm they're like, not really concerned about that stuff. No, but we all. are, right? Yeah, because yeah. We, we come it's all the way it. across the world for this memory yeah. and this yep. adventure. Yep. Like the one thing I wanted was some good some good kill photos. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I pick out this super dark chocolate with the cream on his back, like just a total stud. 
and I missed, and they went. And I was, I almost being relieved, like I'm so glad I missed. <laughs> I'm so glad I missed. And they were like, they were like disgusted, right? They're like, this guy can't shoot that far. Yeah. He's full of it. <laughs> yeah. So I miss, and they run off, and I was like, I just remember having so much anxiety, thinking those guys will die. So did you? I, those guys are gonna die <laughs> getting my Billy. Oh, they can handle it. <laughs> they're crazy. They're crazy. They just live in the country, so they're pretty comfortable. I mean. But we hunt some steep stuff, like yeah. super steep mm-hmm. stuff. None of it was quite like this. No, it's it's pretty rugged for sure. Um, it's it's yeah. There's a lot there. Depending on where you're at, you'd be rock climbing virtually. I mean, so did you have did you have the conversation with your guides on how far you could shoot? Yes. So they so that was that's why of, they were like, go ahead and shoot him. Yeah, yeah, because we had that conversation. Um, basically, it. It's not much of a conversation, but you know they signal like they're shooting a gun, and and then they shoot. You, they, you, you, shoot. They, they use their hands and be like, you know, like this much basically. And you, I'm getting the vibes that he's asking me how far I can comfortably shoot basically, and and they're they're and they're in metric, so they they're talking about meters. But which is pretty, I think, pretty close to yard. So I just gave him yardage, which is what we go off of. But, anyways, we had the conversation where so numbers they understand numbers, but they can't understand language. Right. Yeah. So like when you, I mean, I told I basically told my guides, I'm 600 yards is what I need, you know, and I and, and you and you you have to like either write on your hand 600 or write in the dirt or the snow basically is how yeah. we were communicating so i i've told them at this point that's i mean i told them how far we were going to shoot and how big i wanted to shoot in centimeters right um so but i mean the conversations were pretty minimal but it was kind of cool so you had the conversation with they asked you how far you were your ability to shoot virtually yeah yeah so yeah, yeah and that's that was that was interesting, but that kind of sets your pace. You know how yeah. big and how far you can shoot, and, yeah. then, and then they're going to town for you. You know yeah. they, they're going to work hard to do that. A lot of the communicating was done in the snow drawing pictures. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like big, and like how big, yeah. and he'd be like, and then he'd draw like the centimeter number in the snow. Yep. Yeah, and see, I was, I used the phone scope and the spotting scope. And basically filmed all the... I, I, you could tell which ones were the billies, the big animals. So I would film video and then even take pictures. And then I'd take my phone and I told them how big I wanted to shoot, which I think... You told them 125 centimeters, It right? was 120 centimeters, which does that... I think it's anywhere... I think that was 45 inches or so. Is it? I don't know which one was... I get lost in that, what the conversion is. But I think it was 100... I think... What they classify as a trophy is 120 centimeters, I believe is what it is or something. And I told them that. And so I would go to my phone and he would, I mean, he'd pick out, he'd point at one and give me a thumbs up and then point at another one and go, no, no. And that's kind of how basically. Thank goodness for a phone scope to be able to. Oh, man. Like circle the billy and be like, is this a good one? Yeah. And by the time, I mean, we looked over, we saw a decent amount of billies. And by the time, you know, the second or third day, I, I could start figuring out. I mean, he didn't need to tell me. I, I knew what I wanted to shoot at that. After I seen a big one, and, and the group we kind of saw was, I, I don't know, 40 billies. I mean, for sure. And all the ra- ranging from small to all the way to, you know, trophy class, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, 
At this point, after my miss and feeling sick, not eating, I had a lot of anxiety. Lost my con. Now I don't have confidence. I don't feel good. Now I miss. Now I, now I'm like questioning the confidence of my gun. You know what I mean? But you just zeroed in your gun. Yeah, too. I just zeroed but, it in, but I didn't have confidence. Yeah, it. but it was pretty weird that you had to re-zero your gun. Yeah, too. Th- that had me. That had my mind. Because just what spinning. was it? A week before we left, we were at zero. Yeah. And then we, we, I mean, we literally, you know, so like, you know, I don't know. So why would yours be off, but mine not? Yeah. yeah. You know, providing that it didn't get bumped. Uh, yeah. So I, I was just, I just had this, my mind was spinning with all these variables of not feeling well and my gun and it being zeroed and getting to camp and it not being zeroed and, and then potentially having some of my ballistic data wrong. And I was just tripping in between not feeling well and not sleeping and traveling and being away from family. I was just like, oh my gosh what am I doing? You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. So we sit up there after I miss, and he pulls out the garbage sack. Now, these guys had a little garbage sack that they put in the, their knapsacks. Okay, so he pulls out the garbage sack, and he pulls out this food. So it's cheese that's warm and kind of squishy, whatever that was. And it was like this raw sausage stuff. They packed a Coca-Cola that they ripped. They ripped something to pour co- drinks of Coca-Cola. I can't remember. To pour us each a drink of Coca-Cola. And then they had these foreign Snickers bars, like these Chinese Snickers bars things. Anyway, I, I soon learned that once I ate the sausage, that's when I instantly had to poop. Because remember, we ate a lot of that sausage, that yeah. sausage stuff. At the breakfast. Yeah, at the breakfast. Yeah. And every meal they had that sausage mm-hmm. almost that they, they brought out before your main course. And I soon realized that that was what was getting Did me. you guys have a garbage bag full of bread? Yes. <laughs> There's That's like big circle flat bread. Like, yeah, 100 pounds of bread. <laughs> I love bread. Bread oh, and tea. Bread and tea. So you're literally <laughs> ripping off pieces of bread for each other. Yeah, you just grab a huge chunk of bread. That's the only thing I felt confident eating. I didn't trust that squishy cheese. And with the stomach in the state it was, I was like, I'm only going to eat this bread. i got to survive with enough energy off this bread. So... Anyway, I screwed up, shot the basin out because I'd missed and scared billies over the ledges. And so at this point, it was like 5 o'clock, and we just start heading down the mountain. And that's when we ran into that giant leopard kill, that 49-and-a-half-inch billy that I got that picture of. That I was like, holy cow, this thing's unbelievable. Oh, so it was like my, my billy. Yeah, exactly. Unbelievable. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's, before you get too confident there, bud, let's... <laughs> Let's let's talk about let's talk about your day that day. So I talked about do, your miss. Do you do we want to like go back and forth or talk about your hunt and then jump to my hunt? What's no, let's go back and forth. So so we're okay. still on day number one. It took an day, entire day to get into spike. Yeah. Camp. So day number one was basically riding in yes. and setting up a camp. Yeah. So day number two, which was really hunt day number one. Yeah. Basically. Yep. Um, let's talk about your your hunt that day. Yeah. So that was. That morning is when I, yeah. So, again, I, Nick and I are split up. Yeah. He's hunting from the bottom. I'm hunting from the top. Yeah, and, I, and at this point, I think I'm assuming we camped about a mile. The first night, a mile or two apart. I wasn't that far up. The, that wasn't our. But you got up and rode again, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, and that wasn't our base camp. We actually set up another couple miles up for a couple of days. But um, so we set up, and that was, I think they wanted to get up further, but that I, I yeah, I told them no way. I can't make it anymore, and you and they lost the trail, so we were doing all kinds of stuff that night. So I had them. I'm like, I kind of I gave him a little yell and said, you know, gave him the sleep signal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm like, I can't go no more. And they were trying. I think they were trying to get up to to a base camp, and then then we would stay there. But we didn't make it that far. 
So I wake up the next morning still, same thing. Sick. Sick. And puked a couple times that night and um, wake up. But I'm still on top of the world because this area is awesome. It's beautiful, and I'm seeing Ibex. I wake up, and there's Ibex on the hillsides, and I get out there, and, and we take it pretty easy. Um, they weren't super. They weren't pushing me at all. And, uh, um, I think my guides were a lot more chill than Eric's guides. They, I mean, we kept it pretty easy. But, yeah, then we packed up camp and packed up the horses and went up the canyon. We get like a mile up the canyon, and the canyon splits two ways. And right in the V of the split on the, the opposing side of the canyon, Guan, which is kind of the main guide, he you know he you know he starts pointing. He can see him with his bare eyes. And then we get off the horses, and and I get my binos up, and just a huge, big, big group. And for sure, I'm looking, and you can tell that there's just a couple monsters. I mean, for no no doubt, no doubt, there's some there that are shooters. And but it's just wide open, big. I mean, it's I wouldn't be surprised if it's a mile across this canyon. It just widens out, gets super wide, and all grassy. And so we get off. I, yeah, I kind of phone scope him, and he decides for sure there's some shooters in there. So we get back on the horses. But we drop down in the river bottom, so because it's so wide open, you have to use the the river bottom for transportation to stay out of sight. And it's kind of like eroded out river bottom where there's like really high sides, sandy high sides that you can stay underneath the edges of them where the animals can't see you. So we rode horses up another mile, basically, and now we're... We're kind of cutting distance, I don't know, 1,200 yards, and then we get off horses, eat, you know, do our bread and tea and all kinds, but I still can't. At that point, that afternoon, I started being able to sip water. So I I just just did it slow. I'm like, just a little bit at a time. I started sipping water, still can't eat. But at that point, I think that's when I stopped puking, just was able to hold down some water. And then we made a, a, a stock. We get off the, we tie up the horses and climb straight up at them. And they, they end up going up in the cliffy stuff and bedding. And they went on the back side where we couldn't see them anymore. We, we went back to the horses and kind of regrouped and spotted them. We went up the canyon, spotted them and found out. We saw them get up to feed, which was a, it was a great location because we, we could stay underneath the cover on the back side of this uh, ridge and that's when we tied up the horses again and went up there, but super steep. And there's, there was a, it was a huge group. So at this point, I'm like, I, I mean, and I, there's a handful of bellies that look good, but I, at this point, I can't tell if one's two inches bigger or thick. Some of them, it would confuse you because you'd be like, that one's bigger. And then he'd give you different looking, you know, that one's bigger. Yeah, because they had different. So it doesn't seem like it'd be confusing, but basically there's some that like they go they go up really high and they have a lot of curve to them and they wrap around and they come back up. So that like they have a, a super like a curl like an actual sheep where they come around. Some of them are just like they flare way back out and don't really like curl in. So like and and then mass of course is a big thing. So. Those are the things that are hard to tell because they actually do have unique features. And so it was kind of hard to tell, but we get up there and we get within basically five, 600 yards of this group. We start getting in the shade and it was freezing. And finally... Oh, the shade was cold. Yeah, and it's super steep and I cannot get set up. I cannot get a solid butt rest. 
I mean, I can't even, there's sheep all, or billies and all kinds of stuff all over the hillside, and I can't get set up, really. And I, it took me a long time, and I'm not even comfortable at this point. And then finally, we kind of, we decide, we pick basically after, I, I'm assuming it's 20, 30 minutes, and they're all feeding around, moving, bending down, and then moving, and doing all kinds of stuff, move. And then they kind of see us. So then we kind of, we, we rush it a little bit. And I couldn't keep my butt of my, the stock on my shoulder. So then Tale gets underneath me. So I'm like standing on the guy just to, just so I don't slip off the hill trying to get a shot. I, I think it was 5, 545. I can't remember. I probably say it in the video, but I have it on phone scope. But anyways, I, yeah. I shoot and I shoot like an inch above his back, and it was a stu- it was a cool looking ram. I don't think was, I, I don't it think it was a stud, guys. Like that thing was a tank. He shoots right through his horn. It was like an inch above the top of his his front shoulders. It was yeah. like right through the curl of the horn. Yeah, above it was. His yeah, and and yeah, and stud, you can, stud, Billy. You can see you can see the shot. It's pretty cool, but. Uh, and he's looking at you. Yeah, yeah. They they, they knew, knew you we, were there. Yeah, that that's where I'm like, we were like kind of taking our time and, and that stressed you out that he knew they. Yeah, yeah. Because I couldn't get a solid rest because of the steepness of it. Um, anyways, yeah. So I I missed that, which was kind of a bummer. But I wasn't super eager. I kind of wanted to spend a three to four solid days up there because you see more country, and that's what I came here for. Is for this, the adventure for this right here. But I was. I got worried. Like I, I'm not feeling good. I haven't ate basically in a day and a half. My body's weak. I, I mean, it, it's like it's to the point where I feel like I'm in pretty good shape, and I'm in the mountains all the time. But my, I mean, my body was not doing good, and I, I was pretty worried. It, at this point, my, I, I'm not recovered. I can't eat yet, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to eat that night and recover. And so that's why I was like super bummed because I'm like maybe that was my last chance. Right. If I can't eat another day and if I can't get water down, I'm going to have to call it. You know. You were you were so you had come to the realization that you might have to head back to base camp. Yeah, cuz well, if I couldn't hold anything down, I can't imagine my bit, my body being able to do much um without water. I mean, water was my prime primary concern was just getting water down and then so i was just sipping it but missed that and that was about 30 minutes before dark and then yeah then we we got down to the horses and went up the canyon and set up uh camp number camp. two and that was our so you had a mobile camp yep and that but that's where we had set so yeah that's where we stayed the rest of the time gotcha so we came down that night. I think we ate that ramen, uh, that Kyrgyz ramen, mm-hmm. a few other things, and went to bed. Yeah, I, we woke up the next morning early, and we we're going to check another drainage and to see if those ibex had moved into a different draw. And as we're hiking in that next morning, so this would be day number three, but hunt day number two, we're hiking in that morning, Chase disappeared. I'm like, what the heck, where'd he go? He was just behind me. Looking, looking, I can't even see a headlamp. Finally, I see a headlamp way down the river drainage we took a totally different route this this day so he finally catches up I'm like i told those guys hey we need to wait we need to wait finally chase keeps up i'm like what's going on he's like dude i farted and pooped my pants i sharted i'm like finally 
It's half. It's, so <laughs> at, the, at, at this point, the bug has hit all the Americans, right? And, and in my mind, it was. I think Nick had something else going on, but I think Chase and I just had upset stomachs because of of the foreign material we were putting inside of our bodies. And so Chase catches up to us. The sun comes up a little bit. We spot some billies up there, and we start climbing some hellacious country. And the ground was really hard, and there was gravel on top of the frozen ground, so it made it so slippery. And then we were bucking brush. And then we were in the shade the entire time on top of snow, and it was freezing cold, freezing cold. In fact, it was so cold, I'm like, this is miserable. And so we're climbing, 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 and we find this band of billies, and I don't know, there's four or five, and finally one that we thought was a, we thought it was bigger than he was, and he told me 120 centimeters. So I'm like, boom, just take it. I'm done. I'm done climbing this thing. Yeah, I mean, you you put your trust. In, that's yeah. I mean, the guides are the professionals, and they know what it should be. Right. So. So this thing's 400 yards, we get all the cameras set up, and we just hammer him, and we're just happy, excited, cheering, cheering, cheering. And we get up there, and um, it's a nice billy. It, it wasn't 120 centimeters. It was a 41, 40 and 41-inch uh, billy on both his horns. So just a, just a nice one. Mm-hmm. Not a trophy, but a nice one. And, you know, we're excited. We take photos and all that stuff, and I remember just being so relieved. I'm like, I'm in a foreign country. I can't eat. I'm pooping my guts out. I'm like, it's over. I did it. I'm freaking pumped. And we get up there, and it was, it was a chocolate. He had a chocolate high you with just that had cream. A really pretty coat. distinct coat. Yeah. Like mine, quite wasn't quite like that. But yours, yeah, yours had a very unique cream coat. cream on yeah. the top, just gorgeous. Yeah, high contrast between the top. Yeah, the top cream color and the and the rest of his body. It was is it. Was a, Beautiful hide. Yeah. So we get down there, take pictures, pulled the bullet out, looked at the Hornady LDX, and saw how it was mushroomed and all that good stuff. And I still have that bullet, and it's kind of like a little treasure for me. But those guys made such quick work of him. They had him. They knew how to roll him up and how to cut him, and their full body cape and full body cape and cut up and laying on the snow in 15 minutes. It seemed mm-hmm. like I'm like, holy cow, those guys are good. And we just sat in the sun and ate some more stuff, and I stayed away from the sausage. <laughs> um so i was i was done on day on hunt day number two total day number three we could tell more detail there but you'll have to see it in the film but so we head up back to camp well when we had left to go hunting they hobbled the horses hobbling the horses if you're not familiar with horses it's where you basically tie these things around their feet so they can still move and walk and get food but they can't stray too far did they just use rope for yours yes rope for hobbles i'm like okay we get there Horses are nowhere to be found. Yeah. We're like, oh, great. I'm like, we're heading out tonight. And I got a lot of anxiety about that because I knew how rough the country was in coming in in the, in the light. And we were going to try going out of this country in the dark with all the camp and the Ibex. I'm thinking, like, no way. So anyway, two hours. It took them two hours to find the horses. They find them, get the horses back. And we went out in the dark. I remember praying to God the whole way out that we, like something didn't happen. That we horse didn't wander off. You couldn't use headlamps because the minute you turned on your headlamp, because the horse's eyes are on the side of the head, the horses couldn't see. So you had to leave your... So you, you had to trust the horse. Yeah, you had to trust the horse to get back. Didn't you, didn't everyone take off and leave Chase like five miles back? <laughs> <laughs> Chase isn't very good on a horse, bless his heart. So he... Uh, 
he was behind us a little ways, and that started making me nervous too because yeah. his horse is having a hard time keeping up. Oh man! And we lost the trail a Everyone few times needs on the to way stay out. Together in those conditions. Yeah. Oh man! All right, that that to me, the horse ride out was the scariest part of the entire trip. And what do you say? You can't communicate with these guys. Be like, hey, do you, no, should and we wait for the they, morning? They or? sound like they're pretty gun ho. Like it was. They wanted there's out. No other option. Yeah. Well, I think they're so miserable. From they didn't have the best setup for sleeping. Mm-hmm. There's one. There was one. Di- we were also tired. There was one night we didn't eat dinner. We just went to bed. <laughs> it was it was roughing it out there. I couldn't eat dinner whether I wanted to or not. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't eat dinner. Oh, well, I didn't trust to eat dinner. So anyway, seven eight hours. We finally got off the mountain. You know, and I, I'm just exhausted. I've been sick, exhausted, couldn't eat. And we, you know, luckily we made it safely back. And it was the longest six, seven hours of my life on top of that horse. Trusting him, going through those waterfowl drop-offs. And, steep, and crossing rivers. Crossing rivers and draws. And, oh, my gosh. I'm like, this is, the, this is, this is seriously stupid. That, yeah, that's and you're what trying I to... Yeah, that sucks. I... We took it so easy. It was nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's why Nick's experience was, besides being sicker than me, his was a completely different experience. Yeah. So, okay, so I'm back at base camp after three days. Yeah, so that was... Two the, days of hunting. Two days. But yeah. some hard hunting, mm-hmm. right? Some super tough hunting in some, some of the roughest country that you'll ever imagine. Mm-hmm. And I was sunbathing at this point. Yeah, yeah watching you're... watching a wolf run off some billies and just relax. You were living the life in the bottom <laughs> of the drainage where it was warmer and cool and not having to hike. Oh, but maybe that's how they hunted you, just because you were so sick. Yeah, they they're like the fat American. We can't push him too hard. Yeah, so we set up a camp. Uh, wake up day two, and I shot and missed and spooked the the ibex up the canyon probably half mile so we actually kind of knew where they settled down from the previous night before so we kind of had they thought they knew where they were going to be so we wake up and um yeah and we're we just wake up at first light i mean not not doing we just wake up in glass right it wasn't like we were pushing on anywhere and and the horses are hobbled so pretty much at that point we don't use horses. They're, they're just kind of hanging around and hobbled. We spot. So in the country, we were hunting, like, either side of this. It was a really big canyon, probably 1,000 to 1,200 yards across from rocky, rocky location to ro- rocky location where these things are basically bedding, and then they're dropping down into the grassy hillsides for food, and they were going down to the very bottom for water. So we wake up and they're actually halfway down to the water. They're almost I mean they're we probably should have woke up and got in the in the the creek bottom and got and so we could hide and use that to for our advantage, but we didn't. Um we were just on the hillside and pretty much at that point it was hard to get even within shooting distance because there was a hundred plus ibex and there was no way to get close to them and we couldn't get down to the creek bottom because they were spread out over all over this canyon on the opposing side of the canyon. So, um, any, anywho, we, we kind of just sit and wait and see what happens. And while we're, they, they all go down, get water, and then they were 
they were coming out of the bottom and then all of a sudden they freak out and all these things are running up into the cliffs and everything and staring down and then we just a, a singular wolf just comes running up barreling up and i mean it can't I, I don't know if that's typical that they hunt alone there there wasn't a, there wasn't a pack there was no way it stood a, they they just ran right into the rocks and stood that wolf could hardly walk on the rocks no yeah you, yeah you'll have to see the video but yeah you, he's like there's like a shale rock hillside that he he runs up to run after the ibex and he's just like tiptoeing because he yeah he he can't do it so basically i mean he still he didn't even get close to killing one i mean but so he ran them up into the 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 steep cliffy area and they just bit i mean they ended up bedding there and we sat there all day in the sun just sunbathed and ate food did you eat at this point? Yeah, so I started. So the first thing, which I, the first first thing I could eat was canned sardines. I loved canned sardines, which was <laughs> the weirdest thing, you know. Like I've been puking for days, and that was the first thing I could hold down because it was salty. Or? Yeah, I don't know what it was, but I started. So I started being able to drink water. So I was able to get a bottle of water down that night. So night of day two. And then I, I drank a little bit the next morning. This next day, um, I'm able to get down some sardines and eat a little bit of bread. So I'm starting to feel better. So I'm I'm kind of excited about that and not feeling like I'm going to puke. So we eat lunch, and, and I was able to get down tea, sardines, and some bread. And then we get down into we ended up they ended up bedding down so we moved down in the creek bottom and basically just hoping they would come out of the rocks because we can't get to them if we if we go up and they see us they'll just they'll just run over the cliffs i mean so we just wait and hopefully they come out and feed well all the ewes or whatever you want to call them nannies i don't know what you want to call them but they come out and start feeding they feed out all within shooting range but no billies now, at this point, we have no idea. Because we dropped down in the bottom, we lost sight of the animals. We don't know where the billies are. So we sit there all all day, all the way into the night, and we ended up, you know, hiking back. We were probably a mile up the canyon within the camp. So you're not too far. No. So we go, yeah, we go back to camp. We don't know where they're at or anything. Um, so, yeah, we just... So that was your hunt day number two. Yep. Hunt. Day number two... Finally got a little bit of food down, get back to camp. And then, so they were, so for dinner, we were eating, well, they were eating uh, top ramen with like canned beef. And um, so I, I was actually, that was the first day, our first meal I was actually able to eat. I ate that night. So I I had that. And, I, and once my body was like willing to eat, I was like, man, I was starving. I bet. I, I mean, bet I wanted to. I, I wanted to eat, so then I started eating, you know. And I and I was that I brought um, vitamins and stuff too, just in case. But one thing I forgot was so back at base camp, uh, I mean, I forgot like ibuprofen. Oh, which probably your body would, was aching. Yeah, it wasn't feeling great. And then so that was the big thing that I'm like, dang it! But it is what it is. I really don't take it too often. So, but anyways, able to get. More water down, dinner down. So I was now at this point. I'm, 
I'm actually enjoying it. Well, I was enjoying it the whole time, but day three, we we wake up before an hour before light, get in the creek bottom, and go up the creek bottom right where the they were all, where the wolves kind of ran them into to bedding into the cliffs. So we would. So basically, game plan was to get right there and be within shooting range because we we thought they would feed out and try to get water. They weren't there. The billies weren't there. So now we've gone two days. Well, so now this is an entire 24 hours without seeing the billies. So what are you thinking at this point? Yeah, I have no idea. But because of there was a kind of a corner in this canyon, little dog leg, and where it like – so this – where the dog leg hit, it turned into this narrow, rocky area. And um, so I'm thinking they retreated to basically gnarly country. In the guides, uh, halfway through day number three, um, hunting um, day number three, they figured the same thing that they're like, they went up the canyon. Guan, main guy, he he ended up stationing me and Tall A at the at the, the 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 dog leg. Basically, he's thinking that the the billies are right on the back side of this dog leg, this corner where it's all cliffed in. So he, from what I understand, his game plan is to go up there, wrap around them, and jump them, and try to get them to run right out in front of me. So we get stationed up like 500 yards away from where he thinks they might run. They got some interesting tactics. Yeah, they? yeah, for sure, and I. I don't like pushing animals. I don't like, like, because you just, and these animals can go anywhere. So this is only if they go, I only got a shot only if they go in one certain spot. Otherwise, I don't have a shot. So I wasn't wasn't confident in the plan, but I can't tell them that. There's no communication. So he goes up there. He's gone for 10, 15 minutes. And then I look up, and then I see him running back. He's waving us on. So, yeah, now I'm pumped because I assume he found the billies. We run up there and kind of we kind of get past the dog leg and look up and I see that the billies are just uh, a group. I think there's 12 to 15 billies and three quarters of them are pretty nice. I'd say like they're questionable, but it really they were side hilling the opposing side and they were like eight, nine hundred yards away and they were just crossing these secondary valleys and stuff. Anywho, so basically we, I say that's too far, so we have to cross the canyon, this creek bottom, and climb up the other side and get on the same side as them. Well, then you lose your perspective. So then we keep side hilling underneath of them, five, 600 yards underneath of them, but they, it's just, they crest over a hill and then drop back off. You know, like, so I got, at this point, I'm getting like, like 30 seconds 40 seconds where I got a shot at five, six, hundred yards, and then they're they're dropping off the backside. So we just keep falling them, falling them. Did they know you guys were chasing them? No, not at this point. They they didn't know. And then I'm looking kind of at the terrain, and I see that this this next one they have to drop off is a bigger valley. So I'm like, that's where I'm covering. That's where I, we're gonna cover our ground to get close enough to shoot them finally. Cause these other ones were like, it takes them a minute to cross and then they're on the ridge and going next. Well, anyway, so I just, I, I just start running. Cause I'm like, that's a big Canyon. This is how we're going to make up our distance. So I run over there and yeah, I see at this point we jumped them. 
I range range 300 about 350 yards when they stop to look back and then they all take off up into these rocks so they're running through these cliffs and yeah I I, I had a perfect rock to set up on basically perfect height it was like it was meant to be I set up on it and at this point I don't know what I'm gonna shoot but which uh, which Billy? You mean? Yeah, I, I mean, I, there's they're running all over the place, all over these cliffs, scattering like ants. Yeah, and they're so and and I can't I can't get the advice of the guides right now because one we can't communicate. Two, you're crazy. Uh, the, yeah, there's there's too much going on. So I ended up, yeah, ranging. So I ranged 350, dialed to 375 because they're running, and uh, just set up and I'm kind of looking through them with your scope, and you know how hard that is to try to pick an animal running, and, and I see one that yeah, just big curl and comes back, and I'm. So you got semi lucky yeah. there, no, picking but the right one. There was probably four or five in there that were like him that were that big, so it wasn't no, it wasn't necessary, and they were. At that point, I knew what I wanted. You could tell. Yeah. I mean, you could you at that point. I mean, it's it was to me. It was like if you see a battery group uh, group of mule deer and you're picking one. I like. I felt that good about knowing which one to shoot. Yeah. And I knew there was a handful that were worthy for sure. And yeah, and he just picked him out, and he was just moving his way through, and it was just gnarly enough for him. They'd have to stop to think about where they're going next. He stops. Uh, boom. Huh. Done. Lights out for him. How far? I'd assume 400. Yeah. Yeah, at that point. It was, but yeah, that was, it was so cool because that Did you shoot him with the match bullet or the ELDX bullet? The match, ELDM. Yep. Uh, 147 grain, the six and a half PRC. And that thing, yeah, I shot it through both. He dropped. He was dead. I mean, he's. I thought he run. No, he, so, yeah, so he. He took a couple hops and jumped off a ledge and then rolled down. Oh, okay. Um, but I, but he went right down when you hit him. You, like both. You, no, no. Both he legs took come two, he took two hops. But I actually wasn't. I didn't see him pass the hops. And it, like so, I at this point, all these things, all these ibex are just taking off, and and all of a sudden the the guides were like jumping on top of me because apparently they saw him go down. But they didn't know what was going on at first. They didn't even know I was shooting, or they, it was it was kind of crazy. It happened really fast. Man, that's. So and they awesome. were jumping all over me, and and they didn't know which one I shot right. They 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 don't know if it was a bigger one or whatever. And so, but they were super pumped. They were, and it was, yeah, it was freaking awesome in that canyon. At this point, we're I think we were eleven thousand feet. Maybe it was ten ten five or something. It was it was amazing. It was amazing stock. I was feeling better. I mean, it was it was for sure probably one of my it was one of my top top moments in hunting because oh, it was man. just so unique. Seeing your uh, watching the footage and seeing how elated you were. Oh man! I don't know if I've ever seen you. That I excited. wish someone filmed it because I was like, yeah, I was like, I don't really I don't really get like that, but that that was. It was freaking awesome, and we did. I was filming basically point of view stuff with my cell phone virtually, and so it wasn't like. But I, I wish, yeah, it would have been nice to catch that moment. But that I, thing, it, that thing is an absolute troll. The mountain meat, troll. yeah, mountain troll. The yeah. meat behind its eyes oh, and face and behind its horns and ears, muzzle, 
My, dude, the thing is just huge. Tank. It's just a huge animal. Yeah, he, he was amazing. And I, so we get up. I don't even know. I, I'm, I'm assuming it's down because the guys are freaking out. So we had, it takes us five minutes to get over there. It was really nasty and cliffy. And we get over there, and it was, yeah, he's just freaking amazing. It, what an amazing animal. And I'm like, I'm on top of the world. And, uh, yeah, I get harassed about it, but you'll have to see the beautiful pictures. <laughs> <laughs> the rock. So the, this, yeah, Nick oh. shoots an animal of, of three lifetimes. Oh, I mean, man. If you were to come and uh, hunt trophy ibex in Kyrgyzstan, you would. I don't think you, it's your average animal. It, it's, a, Le- it's, it's a giant. They say 11 and a half years old. And he took the worst photos. And I didn't even know. Like, I, it didn't even register till I showed. So. W- we get this animal out, and uh, like we don't. It's another another day until we get the animal out, and I get to base camp, and I show them the pictures, and they just like we're like they're like staring at me. I'm like I'm, I'm thinking what's wrong. I'm like what's going on. They're like, dude, do you see that big rock? Like it, this, you can't even was, see the body of the animal in the, the pictures. The rock was covering up the animal, the whole entire animal. I think Nick wasn't even thinking. He was I didn't just even. So excited. I didn't even. I didn't even th- I didn't even care. I was like which which made it even better. But I'm a little yeah, I'm definitely disappointed because uh he, he, just an amazing animal and only took probably a few pictures that really like showed what he actually was, but uh yeah, it it, it was amazing and those guides, yeah, I cut it up. Man, they, so I, I took three quarters of the cape out. So one guy took the head and the three quarters of the cape, and the other guy took the the whole animal. These guides were super eager to not let me do anything. Right. I mean, I, and, and I'm used to doing everything. I, and back here, I've never I've never been on a guided hunt ever, and and it was really weird. And they were, yeah. If I touched anything or tried to pack out anything, they were just they wouldn't have it. So which. Was which is really weird, but anyways, yeah. One guy threw the whole. He quartered the animal and left all the fixings attached to the front quarter. So neck meat, back strap, all that was attached to the front quarters. So everything was attached to quarters. So you had four chunks of meat virtually, and he f- tied all. He tied all the the knees together and threw him over his back, took the whole entire animal. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, and he just slung. He, he tied it off, so he had two quarters on each side of his neck, but he had it slung behind his neck. And the back straps were connected to the quarters. The, yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, so all, he had four, we had four chunks of meat, four quarters with all the meat on, all the fixings on it. And anyway, so that was, it was pretty cool to see. I've never seen it done like that, but they don't carry packs. See, my guys never had a rucksack or anything. No, no packs. At all? No, nothing. What, what are they packing the food around, man? So they didn't even pack food, but then I started packing my bag, and they got really excited because then they had food. So, <laughs> so, so I wake up that third day. So the second day, they told me not to bring my pack, but I'm like, no, I'm bringing my pack. So... But the third day, they, like, packed my pack for me because they're like, whoa, I'm going to shove a bunch of food and tea and all kinds of stuff in there. So they were all excited because we had – otherwise, we, they wouldn't have ate. Yeah. That's kind of how our guys were. Yeah. They, uh, they could care less. They didn't have water. Yeah. So they were drinking our water. Mm-hmm. We're like, Wait, and what? I brought it. I brought it, and I would highly suggest anybody that do – yeah, bring your filter. Bring a Sawyer filter mm-hmm. for sure. Because when we were out hunting, yeah, we didn't have water. So I was – 
So I was trying to recover. So while we were waiting, I went, I, and we were down in the creek bottoms. I, I was drinking water. Yeah. And I was filtering. And they thought we were ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Filtering our water. Yeah. Yeah. They, they stared like, at me. And they, and Guan was pretty funny. He, I actually think I have footage of it. He was harassing me about it. So he, he gets on a rock, lays down on his stomach, and is sipping water. Just drink, just sticks his head in yeah, the water. Yeah. I do remember that footage. Yeah. Anyways. So he, he was, they were pretty funny, but they, big smile on their face the whole time they were awesome so that was day that was about two hours before dark on day three get that animal cut up and uh we're probably three or four miles away from camp so we get to camp right about dark salt the hide and and i'm on top of the world at this point and uh, camp camp or base camp no camp camp spike camp spike camp yeah 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 so and that we've been there for two nights now. So, but this so, so day three, animal down, and I can eat. I've been eating. I'm feeling a lot better. I bet I, you're just on. I was, night. yeah, I, yeah. I was on top of the world. I couldn't. You couldn't beat so, that moment so right you, there. So you went to bed that night, just happy as a clam. Yeah. Woke up that next morning, relaxed, slept in, oh, and then yeah, rode we, out. We slept in, had a good breakfast, some some instant potatoes and oh nice just, did you eat was, ibex up there no i was trying to make i was trying to tell the guys that i wanted to do it i wanted to make a fire and cook it that night because i'm like i have to so that was probably another one a disappointment for me is literally i didn't i didn't eat any of my ibex we did when we got back to camp your Basically. ibex oh they took they took they took my ibex to the village so that was so day four I'm trying to I'm trying to tell them, and I should, probably should have just cut up the chunk of meat and started a fire. But it was it was pretty late. But yeah, I should have done it because that's like that's against my rules. Like not get back to camp and have some backstrap or something. But it worked out good because their village got it. Yeah, which I was super poor. People. I was I was happy with everything besides the fact, and I would have loved to take the meat, but. And we ate ibex at base camp, but um, yeah, yeah, just to not eat some of the meat that uh, you know that the animal I shot. But yeah, so then we wake up the next morning, the, and the animals were hobbled. Same thing though; we hadn't seen the horses in two days. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and we're in a big canyon; we can see for miles, and we don't know where the horses are. So yeah, so I'm just, we were packing, you know, uh, me and Guan were packing up camp in Tale, went and didn't see him for a couple hours, and then he came back with the horses. Yeah, and we had three horses, so one per person and everything. So we we packed up and we spent, yeah, so the fourth day was, yeah, relaxing. We spent all day getting camp out, and it was really cool. We got, I don't know how far it was, I'd assume... 25-ish miles, I don't know, for the horse ride out. Yeah, it's a long ways. It was a long ways, but we get out, and yeah, it was relaxing. We drove We drove to the village, the local village where they were living, and I don't know if it was his parents or what, but we we gave, I gave the meat away, and, uh, but they wanted, one couple of local villagers were like trying to get money out of me in it. And everything they were, kind of, it was kind of interesting, but they got the meat. So, <laughs> but yeah, and then we, I don't know what time it was right. I was probably an hour before dark when I got back, do you think? The day four. Um, anyways, I got, but yeah, and then we drove back to 
base camp. Yeah, and so, you know, I'm sitting here at base camp for a day, day and a half without Nick, wondering what's going on with Nick, and all of a sudden we see him pull up, and he comes in and throws this troll on the floor at base camp in the middle of the house, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. This thing is a giant. And he was still carrying that same smile and that same elation a day and a half later that I saw in your – you know how I know it's the same smile? Because I saw it in your footage. <laughs> And you came with that same smirk and smile. I don't usually smile too much, but. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> that thing was huge. So the other guy, he killed like a 37-incher. I killed a 41-incher, and Nick killed a 49-and-a-half or 50 or whatever it was. Yeah. Just a giant. Character, troll, long, yeah, curl. 11-and-a-half. You, so you can count the rings just like a sheep. And uh, 11-and-a-half years old. And your mind was like 9-nine-and-a-half. Nine yeah, and, I, and I, I, they said that's pretty – that's yeah that's how old they get 11 12 years old is what they expect the really old uh bellies to get so i was that was my goal is just to get a mature one and you made it happen so we get there we get back to camp she fires up the sauna with an old wood burning stove we go in and we have this hot sauna shower thing it was absolutely heavenly on your body after being in the mountains and we basically just hung out at base camp yeah. for the next little while. I mean, I think you plan for that many days for if things go wrong. Mm-hmm. You come yeah. all the way across the world. I think it was was it two weeks? Or was it yeah, not that yeah, long? it was two weeks from start to finish, like leaving the airport and getting back. Yeah, uh, three yeah. travel days on each end. Yep, ish. Yep, three travel days on each end. So, and basically, you plan for. Uh, I think I pretty much extend. We were that day four was my last day. They might have pushed it like they might have tried to get out that night. Yeah. But day four was my last day of hunting. I think. In my opinion, eleven or twelve days would be perfect. Yeah. You don't need fourteen. Yeah, and we and we had a day. I don't maybe a day and a half of extra where we're waiting for gear. But I'm almost. But that's. But we had two days of waiting around a base camp and in town. Yeah. But and we could have we could have yeah, but we were waiting for gear. But it sounds like you almost want to plan for that because the likelihood of you getting your gear at the airport when yeah. you arrive sounds like not very high odds. Whether it's your gun or your gear. So guys, if you want to book this hunt, we're sending hunters every October. So I got a group of friends going almost every every fall. So if you want to get in on this, very, very limited spots this is doll sheep hunting before it's doll sheep prices and it's very very affordable with a little bit of saving and whatnot this this hunt's totally doable you've just got to make sure you have a little bit of time off uh stash a little bit of money empty out the couches save it and you can do it so we we kind of messed around there at base camp for a minute and then we're like let's get back to town at least we can go toward the city or whatever so we're we're getting out of the city and we get hit with a hellacious snowstorm yeah, like the night they said we're leaving the next morning, which was that the did we stay at base camp for We stayed one more night. Maybe two. Oh, it was one one yeah, so two nights but one day. One day. Yeah, so basically We woke up the next morning like let's get out of here. Yeah, yeah. And let's um, go. But so we kinda dinked around and they but they wanted a day to do tax Jeremy. Yeah, Ramon, to boil our schools. Ramon, clean the schools and then uh, the horns and everything and get all the taxidermy, everything all salted and wrapped and everything. So, Gabe so, Warren plugged them. Yep. Did his deal. Yep. Bucket. Yeah, Bucket. Good he old home. Bucket. Trying to send him home. 
but uh and yeah so so we did stay at base camp one day for taxidermy and then then the next morning is when we took off but there was a snow snowstorm that night uh the night before we were going back to care go back to town that was interesting yeah. Full on the summits it was eleven thousand feet or something that the that we had to go over a pass and I think it was, I think it was something crazy yeah eleven twelve thousand feet. We were ramrodding the Russian minivan to clear like pass in the snow. Yeah, it was, this guy we were with was full on having a panic attacks. Yeah, well, and I was starting to. Oh yeah, the yeah the American. Yeah, the American guy. <laughs> was so, I mean, but. I'm used to this. We Get, couldn't see the road, so no. we had to actually. Me, you, and Chase took turns walking out in front of the vehicles, yeah. so that they could see. Well, where and to you drive had to it. run because you, they had to keep enough speed to go through the steep snow. So, like, it wasn't walking. You couldn't. So we were basically running in front of the vehicles so they could s- not drive off a cliff. <laughs> right. So, because so, you couldn't see, it was a whiteout blizzard. So um, basically, you know, the downhill side was uh, if you went off that, you're pretty screwed, and there's nothing to stop you from it. There's right. there's not gonna you're not gonna hit a rock or anything. You're gonna be gone. Yeah. So he can sketch. He can see the sketch. road, and there's not very many people driving it. So it was just it was just white. That's all the driver could see. So we were taking turns running in front of the vehicle, and all he was doing is just pr- trying to stay on our butt. So to drive basically, so he didn't drive off the edge. So that was pretty sketchy. But then, but then we get so we get to the pass and we get over and we get on the downhill side and there was a snow slide. Oh my gosh! So yeah, snow slides. I forgot about the snow. Yeah, there was just and it wasn't. We had to literally shovel our way yeah, out. Yeah, it was probably two, two to three feet deep, and basically. But then we so then we get to it and there's no way we're getting through it without like digging it out or doing whatever. And then we come to find out no chains, no shovel. The guy, there was a little hut at the top of the pass that um, apparently there's a guy stationed there that's supposed to clear the pass. And so we go back there. Luckily, he had a shovel. He had a shovel, but he, he didn't have his tractor with him. He had a tractor, but no gas. No. That's fuel. right. So he, he said this: the fuel is on the other side of the snow, you know, the snow drift, basically, or, you know, there, we, we had to, we were the ones that had to get out. So we used the shovel that was We made all took a, turns digging. Because we were stuck several times. Oh, yeah, yeah. With we, several different vehicles. And he was, yeah, and, he, and we just ended up dig, and then the, the Russian, like, flatbed. Ramrod. Ra- and was that sucker even four-wheel drive? I can't even remember. It wasn't a great vehicle for the, but it was, yeah, it was kind of crazy. Not really... Not really prepared, but yeah, we ended up. I don't know how long it. I, I'm assuming it took us over an hour of just ramming the snow drift and digging and ramming and digging and and pulling. What did uh, Ramon have? It was a, a Highlander, Toyota Highlander. It was, it was a, but it was the Lexus version. Was it? I thought it was a Toyota, but just an SUV. Yeah, like a, a it was a good SUV, but didn't really have good tires. But he kept having to pull out the Russian flatbed out of the snow drift, so he'd ram it. Then we'd th- pull him out. Yeah, then Ramon would get the the SUV and pull him out backwards, and then he'd back out, and they'd do it again. We we dug and dug and dug, and then finally we got we busted through that thing. It was, you know, 
We're giving you the short version. This was hours and hours and miles yeah. and miles of this. Oh yeah. Anyway, so then we then we have to do a little more, a uh, little more like running in front of the vehicle. But we're at least we're on the downhill side of it. We didn't run into any more big drifts. Um, but we yeah we finally got out. We couldn't see the road. No, couldn't see the road. It was another another hour of just not seeing the road, and then it kind of cleared up a little bit. And then we started running into people trying to come over the pass, the opposing direction. Um, so then at this point, we're in a road that has tracks on it from uh, other vehicles that just drove over it. So we, that was kind of nice. So then pretty much, it was pretty much in the clear from there to get into Caracol. But yeah, yeah, that was... That, that was high anxiety. And shit. at this point, I'm like, I was over my high after doing that snowstorm thing. That, that was stressful. Yeah, I mean, like I, at this point, I want to go home. Yeah. That's kind of where I was like, that was like kind of my breaking point. Like if you'd go on this trip or if you want to, I mean, you have to have the ability to just be able to handle whatever. Because I'd love to go on this hunt again, and I will probably go on it again. But I couldn't tell you what to be prepared for. Can't be prepared for everything. Yeah, so if you're not. The biggest thing is be prepared for the bags. Have the have the money for the cash. Have the medicine. Should anything mm. go wrong, medical, whatever. Be prepared for everything. Yeah, you're. Jeez, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, just mentally because. Well, don't and, expect everything to go right either. No, no. Then, if you if you think then this you're going to be really upset. And it's it's fully guided, but it ain't. I mean, you're eating canned meats and which and top ramen, which I love. I mean, I I didn't. It doesn't bug me a bit, but you have to be willing to endure whatever. If you're fully not guided, it. Use that loosely. Yeah, if you're not ready to endure it physically and mentally, don't you, don't. Especially, it's a scouting package. Yeah. These guys know where the animals are. Yep. It's up to you to kill them. Which uh, for me was awesome. I wouldn't want it any other way. Oh, no, it was uh, incredible. Yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. most incredible adventure I've ever been on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I tell everyone I talk to about it. I'm like, it's next level. The Curtis Tan. I'm like, there's, dude, there's, it's next level epic. I, I would say does it, it takes more than your average person to want to do it. And you better do it. You better be in shape. You better do it before you're too old. Yeah, and uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, and at this point, it was just hanging around town waiting for. Uh, Renata. Renata to do paperwork to get our trophies back. Yeah, you had to do some CITES permits, and that's something Nick and I didn't even know about. No, like, well, man, the guy, that in, the guy in, in camp had done a few uh, Africa. Yeah, international hunts. So he told us, oh, yeah, you got to call you know, yeah. the airports and let them know you're coming. And let them oh. know you're. We're like, what? Wait, what? So Nick and I, then we started stressing, stressing out a whole out new stress what? because we didn't know we had to do all this paperwork. We didn't. And, we hadn't. We didn't think we were going to get our animals home at this point. Yeah. We thought we were going to get in the United States and they were going to confiscate our animals. But uh, luckily, we called ahead of time. Let let us let the appropriate airports know and the wildlife, the federal wildlife yep, people call, know. Yep, that. called into the yep the federal fishing game, the U.S. fishing game, and told them that we were coming in. This is our flight, and this is the animals we were taking in. We filled out the form, and it went. I mean, as far it, that was the last stretch. It was as smooth as could be. Yeah. Really, I mean, they treated us great in the states. Yeah. We thought going into LAX, they were going to be Bishkek was a little stressful. yeah. Bishkek Turkish what, what did it, what Bishkek did, Airlines what, bent us over oh, for man. our baggage? So before we had Renata tell us how much you know, like you go and weigh your gear, and so and and it was X amount of dollars per pound over your weight to to check gear. So this time we just had um, we we put all the the trophies in a duffel bag. So and everything was all wrapped up. The um, so the hide schools and 
and horns were all wrapped up and all put into a duffel bag. So that was what we had to pay for. But and we were able to weigh everything at the hotel the night before. So we had it. Uh, we had it all set up. It was it was going good. Like we knew the weights. We knew how much we were going to pay. And it didn't go like that. No. What did they do to us? Uh, d- they so for one, they don't speak English, and we're and it was a mess. Basically, um, we weighed our stuff, and I don't know if they were trying to not let us go or what the deal was. But I saw you could see the weight. You could see the weight on the scale, and so I can do math. I, I mean, so we we've already figured out we're probably may you know I'm thinking fifty to hundred bucks a piece. Because we split it, right? Because it was both of our trophies. And it ended up being, I think I ended up paying 500 something, and I think you paid more. I did pay more. They, But we couldn't, we couldn't fight it because we couldn't speak their language. I mean, it was, and we had no idea. And you can't, you get a receipt. I'm like, I need a receipt. Oh, trying to tell a them. giant line there, too, of people just staring yeah, at stare, you. Yeah, just, just pissed off. And, and now we're getting to the point where, like, our flight's going to leave. So basically, we have one option: Pay is it. to get royally screwed. Yeah, that, and, I would say that's the only time on the trip yeah. where we got bent over. Yeah, was our baggage on the way home? Which we're, that was after doing research that I was anticipated, but I didn't think we were going to get it that bad. But it bugs me because there's there's no rules, there's no guidelines. Even though the the airlines had guidelines and said this much this it's going to cost this much per pound overweight. Just like in the United States, same difference, and you pay your fee. This was not that. They, I mean, they they were not letting us through without us paying a royal buttload to get our gear on. And there was, I'm like, and I didn't even care. I'm like, I want to go home. Yeah, if five hundred bucks is like, if five hundred bucks gets me home, I'm not gonna fight it. I, and yeah, so I, I mean, that it was, but we literally, I wouldn't be surprised if we paid a thousand bucks to get our to get our Ibex home, to get it on to Turkish Airlines. Yeah, it was kind of expensive. It was, that really bugged me, but you're... I think you could do that smarter, have a little less gear. Yeah, I wonder if it's best to, like, not, like, maybe if you can go pre-check-in. I'd probably try to do it a little different, and maybe, like, I'd probably have to talk to you, like, Renata or whoever's doing it, basically say, hey, can we, like, pre-check-in the day before... And get someone that speaks English. Yeah. At the airport. Cause they, were, they were kind of ornery. They were, oh, the manager came out and she was pissed. And I'm like, I was pissed because, I mean, I don't have the money to give them that. But, I mean, it's like swipe your credit card and go. I'm, yeah. It, it, it really bugged me. And that might be something that you might be able to pre-plan a little better. I didn't think you could pre-plan it any better because we knew our weights. We knew what it cost. But the, the, it didn't matter to them. So it, there was no rules at, at that point. So, um, but that was, yeah, that, that, yeah, that pissed me off. But, <laughs> but before we, before we made it to, to get on our flight, we, we had a day or so in the city. Yeah. Bishkek. You know, yeah. Bishkek. That was pretty cool. The capital. Like we, we, two, there was two nights where we ate dinner mm, actually. Was it two? Yeah. Because we ate at that one restaurant. Yeah. My birthday. Yeah. <laughs> but then we ate at another place with the little huts. Oh yeah, then oh that was when Chase was all mad about his food. Yeah, Chase <laughs> ours was, were amazing. <laughs> ours were amazing. Chase was very good. But we went to the steakhouse and we got these giant tomahawk steaks. Yeah, they, and they were, were like seven bucks. They would have been one hundred fifty bucks in the states. I mean, our full. I mean, you could eat 
the that food was that was like unreal. You could eat appetizers, a crazy huge steak for your main course, and then dessert. And they're like, you get the check, and it's like, oh, that'd be ten bucks. I'm like, wait, what? Do we you want? Like, a, do we want another steak? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And then I, I went behind the back room and I had I was kind of scheming a little bit and I told all the Kyrgyz guy the the, the restaurant the, the restaurant guys it was Nick's birthday so they I, came out I knew something dinner. was happening because Eric was staring too intently into my eyes at that point I'm like with a little smirk I'm like gosh dang it what's going on <laughs> you know because he left for the bathroom yeah they came out the... singing and dancing and it was funny. wait they they tried to give me. Right, they tried to give me another tomahawk steak. Yeah, for my birthday. Yeah, we're like, no, it's okay. You know, you, would like, you like another steak? <laughs> yeah, you, we're so, like, no, it's, it's it's okay. I got a piece of cake or something instead, or like a brownie or something. <laughs> but they wanted to give me another. That was some good food. Huh? Oh man, those are huge steaks. Yeah, Anyways, it was awesome. But, but anyway, yeah. we got to LAX. Everything went smoothly. U.S. fishing game was awesome. Um, came home, and Nick and I are still talking about this trip. And believe it or not, we're finally. Almost through the edit. It's going to be a three-part series on the edit. It's going to tell the entire story start to finish. Um, there's points where we're self-filming. There's other points where we have professional filming. We have a little bit of drone footage and whatnot. It's going to be an absolutely epic story. So thanks for listening to us today, guys. We've been wanting to tell this story and show this film for a long, long time now. Go watch it on YouTube. Watch the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And more importantly, if you want to book this hunt, hit me up on Instagram. Muley Freak underscore Eric. DM me. I'll give you the ins and outs. I'm sending people this fall. I'm sending hunters next fall, Americans that you'll be able to experience this journey with. Get on it before it's unaffordable. It's very, very affordable right now. Uh, it's an adventure of two lifetimes. It's absolutely one of the most epic things I've ever done. And it kind of almost gave me this bug to hunt internationally and, and obtain all the Ibex species for that matter. So anyway, thanks for joining us. Do you have anything else? Nope. This is yeah, the longest just, podcast we've officially ever done. Two hours and ten minutes. Oh, my goodness. Was it that long? Yeah. I'm hungry. Yeah, I'm hungry, too. Yeah. No, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, just contact one of us. I, Yeah, I can try to help out as much as I can. But, yeah, there's a few things, but I, we couldn't, neither one of us could tell you how your adventure is going to go if you decide to go. <laughs> it'll be epic, though. and we. we it'll be, it'll be, like, I was, we were kind of, I was kind of over it once I got back. But then you sit and think of it and, and editing the film, and I'm like, you forgot about all this. Stuff I'm like, I'm so ready to go back. Man. I know you short short memory. I, I yeah, I want to yeah. It, it was amazing, and the feeling when I shot that just absolute mountain trail was, yeah, yeah, it was, was amazing. Incredible. It was one of the better moments of my hunting career uh, so far. And I remember being like really envious of you when you yeah. you literally yeah. said. What's up, guys? Freaking <laughs> toss that thing across the floor. And it was like a d deer in the headlights. Look when everyone. We were just like, oh, is that is this real life <laughs> right now? That thing is unbelievable. So it was pretty cool. But so, there's a good, there was a handful of those. They're out there. They're out there. Absolutely. You have a good, very good chance of shooting one. That's why I'm going back because I wanted, Nick, I wanted one like Nick so bad. That's why I'm going back. Yeah. All right, guys. Subscribe, rate, review. We love your support. We love your feedback. Wherever you're listening to this from, please subscribe. Leave us a review. It goes a long way for us. Be sure to watch the film as soon as they come out. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Bye.